and we are live hey guys welcome back to another rankable episode 35 i'm your host as usual jared thomas senior account executive at i pull rank we have a special special episode today we want to talk about the future of sports betting industry so for you guys who don't you know you guys know me um i'm a big gambler i love this space so much i love sports these are two of my favorite things and i have a very special guest with us today um somebody i've met very early in my career somebody who's you know definitely been very uh, a good friend and somebody's been very helpful throughout my career so he has 20 plus years of experience working in executive roles at some of the biggest agencies and holding companies in the world such as initiative harvest mdc uh mdc media partners he was the CMO of tech giant Seismic and recently was the chief communication officer at IPG Media Brands, where he was responsible for internal external communications, uh, the firm's social media channels um, across the global network. And now he's the VP of communications for one of the biggest brands in the sports gambling world, FanDuel. So I'd like to introduce to everybody our guest today, Chris Jones. Jared, thank you for having me. I'm really super excited to be here. So, uh, yeah, we go back a long way, you and I. I, I it makes yeah. me feel old. Because you still got that great smile. I got a little bit less hair, but you have that great smile. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. It's a it's a pleasure, man. Once I once we started this, I was like, I have to get you on somehow, some way. And I'm just glad I'm we glad made it happen. Yep. So definitely. But I would love to, you know, start for everybody in the audience. So what we're gonna talk about, if you guys know FanDuel, it's one of the biggest players in the sports, you know, gambling space, right? So if you've seen them on the, the commercials, you've seen them on ESPN, you've seen them in, you know, your your local stadiums and parks and things of that nature. And what we wanna talk about is how they've grown. And, and I would love to hear from, from you, Chris, or if you were to start at the beginning, um, just, you know, tell us about your journey from the industry, from the agency industry and, and you know, kind of leading up to now and what some of those skills that you've learned in the agency sure. world and how they translated to to a brand like FanDuel. Sure. So uh, FanDuel is is America's number one sports book and yeah. uh, our daily fantasy product is one of the top two fantasy products in the industry. And our casino products are also among the top one or two or three uh, mobile mobile operators that is yeah. uh, in, in country. So. Uh, we we have the largest market share in the country in the space. Uh, mm -hmm. Got exciting news yesterday that the state of New York is is moving towards legalizing and regulating um, all sports gambling. I know it's exciting <laughs> for you and for people who drive through the Lincoln Tunnel to head over to New Jersey because it's been legal there for quite a while. Yeah. Um, my journey's been a unique one. Uh, you know, it's a hybrid of of a bunch of different roles and a bunch of different places, and I'm sure we'll get into that and why, but. Uh, to answer your initial question, yeah, I spent 15 years-ish uh, at uh, three or four holding companies. Uh, so IPG, I had two tours of duty at IPG, most recently mm. chief communications officer there working for Daryl Lee. Uh, mm. I worked for Havas for a while um, yeah. in a North America-specific role. I spent a bulk of my time, my first tour at, uh, at IPG with Initiative, very, very rewarding time. I'd say the highlight of that is... Uh, you know, winning the Amazon business, being a part of the team that helped win the Amazon business there was, was a oh, really wow. humble experience. Yeah, it's still a large client for IPG this to this day. Um, and uh, I also, you know, got to work for Martin Cass, who's a pretty smart guy in his own right, helped to build Assembly, which was one of the first uh, data-minded, data-led media agencies uh, built from effectively scratch over at mm -hmm. MDC. Uh, and, you know, we won agency of the year there. We won agency of the year at Havas. So uh, I've worked for some really smart people in the space. Um, how has it gotten me to FanDuel? I don't know if it, it got me to FanDuel. I think I've, you know, a lot of agency people after spending almost two decades in that space, typically, I won't speak for everyone, but a lot of them want to round out their experience and have that client side 
yeah. role. I had had junior level client side roles. I worked at Marshall McLennan, financial services industry for several yeah. years. Um, I started my career as an intern and part-time employee at ESPN. So I'd been on the sell side. Yes. I worked at, I worked at Univision on a consulting basis. So I'd had other experiences, but I really had not had a senior level role on the client side. And this was a tremendous opportunity in a space that's growing incredibly, you know, to date, there's only about a dozen for your audience's benefit. There's only about a dozen uh, states in the union that have legalized mobile sports betting. So we still have a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, some big, some big states, New York being the most significant one recently, but you know, California is still not legal. Texas is still not legal. Georgia is still not yeah. legal. So there are some significant states to go. So this industry is, is going only going to grow further and faster. And that for me, that was a very enticing opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm curious to know, like you, you mentioned the, the Amazon pitch before we go into, you know, what you're currently doing. I would love to know, like what goes in because I, I obviously we're at a, an agency here at iPool rank, but I would love to know what went into that type of pitch and and how like how did you lead into the agency world? Because you were already on the client side. Was it like, hey, you know, what was that? So, story like? uh, so uh, Amazon is notoriously private and remains such to this yeah. day. So that was a challenging pitch in that the directives in the RFP were very, very specific. Um, mm -hmm. They wanted to achieve very specific things in that RFP. It was the first media agency of record relationship, I believe if I'm correct, uh, oh, yeah. that they were entering into. Um, I mean, little details down to like, don't put a welcome sign in the lobby saying welcome Amazon because we don't want people to know we're in your building. Right. So oh, wow. <laughs> um, they were, you know, and that's fine. You have to just, uh, you know, be mindful that that's the kind of client you're, you know, and that's the comfort level they, they want, need and desire for their business. And sure. so to answer your question, I think the reason why, I mean, I know the reason why they won because they told us uh, many of the agencies try to out tech the tech guys. So no mm -hmm. one's tech is no one's tech with the exception of maybe Google or Oracle is better than exactly. Amazon's. Right. And a lot of the agencies in the media world tried to impress the Amazon people with the depth of their media and advertising technology. And I think that that was probably the wrong approach. Excuse yeah. me. Um, Jim Elms, uh, the CEO of Initiative at the time, uh, and Matt Seiler, who was running IPG prior to Daryl, mm -hmm. they took the approach of let's uh, let's show them who we are. Let's let's make this more about our people and our expertise in the space and less about our technology. Yeah. Down to the down to the point where uh, the presentation, which I I certainly did not lead the presentation, there was a lot of other smart people did that, but played a played a role in helping in that. Uh, we didn't use a PowerPoint deck. Our designer designed wow. these giant post-it notes, and they were all around the room. And instead of uh, they were you know they were designed, but they yeah. stuck on the walls. And so instead of clicking the Amazon folks through a deck, we walked them through and talked them through in a much more personal way. Wow. It was it was unique because they started moving the post-it notes around. They were so engaged by this. They were like, no, this actually goes over here. And we think this goes over there. And we knew we, I don't say we, we knew we had them because you never feel like you have a, yeah, uh, yeah. an account like that until you actually sign a contract. But but um, we knew we had them engaged. And that led to a series of other follow-up meetings. And eventually they selected us as, as their agency. And Think that's like a going on a 10-year relationship now so that's amazing that's amazing but the, the creativity that took into it what i love that you said about that story is that you took a step back and said look we're not going to try to out tech the tech guys right you have to know who you are and you have to know who your audience is and that's what the the beauty of that is and then say that hey we're going to walk them through a pitch literally 
I think that's genius. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was it was, it was a risk. I, I mean, I, I wasn't that I, I wasn't the final decision maker or final arbiter of that decision, but um, there were several really smart people, uh, you know, who were, and um, I was just happy to play, you know, small roles in that process. Uh, and you know, it it was so it was a highlight of my time at Initiative for sure. For sure, for sure. That's an amazing story. And then, um, you know, as far as, you know, getting back into FanDuel and the sports betting industry. So as, as we know, that's one of the fastest growing industries out there. And I've always been curious, like from a marketing perspective, how has the brand been able to kind of balance the need to drive more users for the platform while also promoting that responsible gambling that we spoke about earlier? Sure. So obviously it's a customer acquisition business. You know, you're, yes. you're in a, we're in a, a very tough, uh, battle every day with you know very well-funded competitors like ourselves and yeah. you have to be thoughtful about every time you enter into a state you know who you're going to partner with whether that's a league or a team or a media company we have dozens of those type of partnerships uh, yeah. around the country so that that fuels a lot of the the marketing wheel if you will the flywheel of how we go and, and accumulate customers we also have a large content team and social team that certainly pull yeah. quite a bit of weight as well um to answer your second question there is no more existential threat to the business the industry not FanDuel specifically but to the mobile sports marketing uh, mobile sports uh, wagering industry than uh, making sure that we self-regulate through a series of responsible gaming activities yeah. and i'm happy yeah. to say that uh, i was hired in part to help build that and uh, we're making some really in my first year here we make some real big headway so we've signed we're the only mobile sports partner mobile source operator to partner, excuse me, with the American Gaming Association. So we have a full uh, partnership with them on their have what they refer to as have a game plan campaign. It's an education campaign that partners with leagues and teams to educate customers who, let's be honest, as every state opens up, there's a whole new slew of customers that need to understand how to use, exactly. use the product. And so it really takes, so for example, the PGA Tour is also a partner in this campaign. Mm -hmm. So they, their phraseology for it is have a game plan, know when to lay up. So the Masters is ongoing today, right? So that's, yeah. that's those, you know, uh, kind of synonym or for us or example for us. Um, you got to know what your limit is. And so we have built a product in our product where you can set wage limits, deposit limits, time limits, uh, all sorts of limits on your own behavior. So that way you don't get too far afield of your own personal budget. At yeah. our core, FanDuel believes in being absurdly fan-focused. And what does that mean? We want to enhance the sports experience. We don't want to put anybody in jeopardy. And we sure. want this to be a form of entertainment. And we want that to be a form of entertainment employed safely within a budget. And so yeah. encouraging customers to do that is every bit a part of the challenge, almost as much as acquiring that customer. Because if, they're, if we're not a brand that they can trust, then they're not going to be with us very long. And so exactly. we've... We've done the partnership with the AGA, which is ongoing. We've got radio spots running with Intercom or, or Odyssey now. Yeah. Uh, we're working with many of our league and team partners to do in-game venue education. Uh, we're doing a lot of digital stuff. There's a slew of things coming um, that have started and are continuing to come um, in that space. We've also partnered with uh, Gamban, which is the yeah. largest international gaming blocking technology software. So if a customer does call our our CS department, our customer service department says, I'm, I'm struggling with an addiction. The moral and ethical right thing to do is immediately help that person. So we do a couple things. One, we put them on 
our own self-identification list and we void them out of the platform so they cannot gamble anymore on our platform. Second thing we typically do, and it depends on the state because every regulation is different, yeah. we, we share that person's information with the state regulatory body, which is typically known as the Department of Gaming Enforcement, DGE. And then the third thing we do is now we're giving them this Gamban subscription and we're walking them through how to set it up on their phone, family's phone, computer, and it'll block them from pretty much every gambling site in the United States and many of the offshore as well. And we'll pay for that, uh, that subscription for them. That's part of the partnership because Amazing. in the end, much in the same way the beer companies have driven, you know, responsible usage of their product, consumption of their products. Mm -hmm. You go to a ball, you go to any ball game, you're going to have a beer enhances, it enhances your, you know, your viewing experience while you're watching the game, but they want that to happen in a safe environment. So you can get back in your car and drive home, you know, yeah. not impaired. We want the exact same thing. We want you to place a $50 bet, enjoy the experience, but we don't want that bet to potentially yeah. hurt your personal finances in any way. That, that makes complete sense. But I'm curious too, like what about the person that doesn't know they have a problem, right? So for instance, if I'm a big gambler, like is there something on the platform that says, hey, you've lost X amount of dollars or hey, be careful, you know, like really, you're kind really, of in a danger zone. Really good question. So our risk and trading team and our customer service teams are and our technology teams are perpetually monitoring the action within, you know, and, and this happens in every gambling environment, perpetually yeah. monitoring the action of our customers. We don't, we have specific rules around, you cannot have duplicative accounts. If you have a duplicative account, we take you out of the platform permanently. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Your first account and your second account. Um, you can't place bets when you're in a negative deposit or a negative withdrawal position. Um, you can't place bets larger than what you have in your account to cover. So we, we do that as okay. well, but it really, where we wanna bring the RG discussion is a place of, hey, Everyone knows now because the beer companies have done such a good job of this that shouldn't have more than one or two beers in, during a game because like I got to drive home. Right. Yeah. And everyone understands those metrics of, you know, one or two beers, one or two wines is, starts to push you up against that D, that impairment level that impairs yeah. your drive. We have to do that. And we are doing that with our customers as we speak, as the business matures. Again, keeping in mind that only about 12 states in the union are legal. And the Supreme Court only changed the laws, the PAPSA law that they sh struck down that legalized sports betting, mobile sports betting in the United States in 2018. So this is a very, still a very nascent um, industry, which is super exciting because yeah. it's a canvas that we get to help create. Absolutely, and that, that's a, only 12 though, man. I would have, I would have assumed more, man. There are varying degrees of legality, right? Yeah. So, it, but across the board, you know, for sports book uh, or, you know, horse racing and casino products, it's a, it's give or take 12. If you go on our website, there's a map and it breaks down exactly where we operate. I yeah. encourage you to go find it. Perfect, perfect, perfect. And then um, when you guys first came to the market, like I just remember as FanDuel, I remember not knowing what it was. I just remember seeing you guys plastered everywhere. So your branding was amazing, right? <laughs> so the branding- I can't take credit for that. There, that, that's, that's, you know, our creative team and our, and our, you know, our CMO, Mike Raffensperger, my boss, you know, he's been leading this team for a long time. So, uh, you know, they've done a really good job of, of pushing into the consciousness of the sports fan. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you, you knew where your audience was, right? You knew who your audience, you knew what mm -hmm. type of market you wanted to tap into. And you guys mm -hmm. eventually did that. And still to be only at 12 markets, right? And the growth 
potential there is is massive, right? So, could you could you tell us a little bit more about like what those regulations are? What are some of those challenges with the, some of the laws and how you have to communicate to sure. your customer? Sure. So uh, we follow a pretty uh, specific know your customer KYC protocol um, as we start to bring them in. So you know information that we take from them so we can communicate with them in the, in the event there is a problem that is typically yeah. required in every state. Um, authenticating that they're over 18 or over 21, depending on the state. Um, so those are things we have to, you know, we, we have to do no matter what. Um, yeah. We're also very careful and we're regulated by day part for, for certain advertising, whether that be television, radio, et cetera. Um, we're very mindful of, and we typically spend a lot of time around offers and making sure those offers are uh, thoughtful in how we communicate them. So. Uh, generosity marketing is a large part of how you get people to sign up. So, Absolutely. Um, and you know, so I'm sure you've seen our ads. You know, bet fifty to win five hundred or fifty-five yeah. to one odds for the Super Bowl because it was Super Bowl fifty-five this year. That's how, that's so, how you got me. So just letting you know. That's how we, <laughs> so, it's working, so it's working, and that's great. But so, um, so yes, there are a lot of, you know, I don't say there's there's certain numbers, uh, guidelines, regulations, restrictions that, that we follow. We would follow them anyway, but but they are certainly in place at the state level. And they yeah. definitely um, impact who we partner with and why we partner with them, right? So we've got yeah. lots of different type of media partnerships uh, across the board, um, you know, league and team partnerships across the board. Uh, and those are driven by both geography, they're driven by, you know, the popularity of the sport. So football drives the bus for the industry in the sports book, but yeah. the NBA, the NBA is very, very popular. Uh, tennis is very popular. Golf is very popular. Really? So sports that, yeah, like, you know, baseball has a following for sure. UFC. So catering your marketing to a lot of those different audiences is something we spend a great deal of time thinking about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because each, each segment of users or each segment of audience, right? UFC, people are going to have to speak differently than the NBA folks, right? The NFL. Any offer, the any offer needs to be di different. Yeah, you know, exactly. Those prop bets that you could bet on like in football games is Tyreek Hill going to score the first touchdown in the Super Bowl, right? Exactly. That was a big prop bet. Is, is Bryson DeChambeau going to shoot five under par today at the Masters, right? That's another, like, I don't know what our book hat currently has. I didn't look at it this morning to see what the prop bets were for the Masters. But my point is, is that catering to how you market things and your availability, both in the platform for existing customers and how you attract new customers is all part of our thinking every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I could imagine, um, you know, as we all know, you know, we're, we're still here in the, in the middle of a global pandemic. Right. Mm -hmm. So when the sports ended, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I'm, I'm sure that had to be a very critical moment for the business and just the industry as a whole. So I'm just curious, how has the pandemic you know, impacted the industry and which ways has the industry changed since sports resumed? Sure. So it's it's a it's an interesting uh, paradox. So yeah. sports, shut, sports shut down, uh, you, you know, clearly had an impact on the business in the first quarter or second quarter and yeah. part of the third quarter of last year. Um, however, what we learned was that people had interest in other, you know, maybe not as mainstream sports. So things like international cricket or table tennis, these were things that were available in the sports book that people actually gambled on. Um, what, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's, it, we chuckle here in the States, but there's large followings of those, of those sports in other parts of the world. Right. And so, um, and within cultural subsets of the United States as well, uh, when the return of sport occurred, we'll mm -hmm. call it July, when the bubble, the NBA bubble started again, yeah. and, and you know, uh, MLB started to play. The interest level in our 
product drew dramatically. And I think some, yeah. of, some of that's driven by consumer interest because it couldn't go to the games. You couldn't be in the arena. You know, you've yeah. been locked in your home for so long. This kind of added a new level of excitement that maybe they didn't have before. And, you know, we, we are the benefit, uh, benefactor, excuse me, of that. Yeah. Um, the other thing I think is driving the success of the business is that we play a, a positive role in delivering tax revenue for states. And so they all have various decisions they need to make around the economics of running their state in a post-COVID, post-pandemic world. Yeah. And, you know, we can, we and some of our other competitors can drive tax receipt value to the state budgets yeah. for everything from policemen to firemen, to teachers, to road repair, to, you know, health and housing and, and whatever other things the, the state, you know, and, and a respective state wants to spend it on. So um, that's also driven I think a lot of business opportunity because states now are moving faster. New York just yesterday, as we mentioned, yeah. um, moving into into its budget, and we see a slew of other states. Uh, you know, moving ahead, Michigan and Virginia, the the most recent ones that have come online uh, in January. So yeah. uh, I think those two factors: the factor of being home and not being able to experience sports in person, um, or bringing your mobile device with you to a game and gambling, you know, yeah. on our platform while at the game. Um, and then also uh, the impact that we can have on on states who are considering uh, deregulating and uh, or regulating a mobile sports gaming environment within their state boundaries. Yeah, so that, that's like a twofold thing. So it was like one, you guys had to adopt. Obviously, you had to pivot, you know, in that Q two, Q three. But then, you know, once sports resumed, the the interest level grew. And you so I joined the company right as as that started to happen. Right. So you had yeah. the NBA bubble, the Major League Baseball bubble, for you know, for lack of a better word, or abbreviated schedule, and then the NFL launch and college football start stop, all in this like compressed timeline. So our teams really worked very, very hard um, in the tail end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter to make uh, 2020 a, a successful year. And we've seen that success move forward. So it took us about 11 months to reach a billion dollars in gross gaming revenue. It's like a handle measure. It's uh, and it took us 28 days to do that in January in 2021 in the month of January. Oh, wow. So, Congrats. so we clearly, yeah, we've clearly accelerated the number of customers who are active in our platform. Um, and we're very excited about that. And the other anecdote I'll share with you is on the day of the Super Bowl, the three top most downloaded apps in the world in the Apple App Store were number one, TikTok, number two, Robinhood, and number three, FanDuel in the there world. There you go. Wow. So, so we, we are seeing some really exciting trends as we enter into 2021. Um, and the world starts to open up with with the rise of the vaccine. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it essentially the it, it accelerated your business opportunities in terms it of did. like states. Um, like I know New York, for instance, like they just approved, like you said, the gambling. They approved cannabis. They approved a lot of things. And because of the revenue they were losing, because of the office spaces, people mm -hmm. leaving, the tax revenue. So that's that's huge. And in, in a way, you guys were once again the benefactor and say, hey, exactly. It was a positive impact on our business, and we're sure. we're now working to we're working first hand in hand with governor cuomo's office to make sure that we are you know properly filing um and being considered for a license because we have not been to be clear FanDuel has not been approved or considered no one has for a license so we will participate in that process uh and we work with all our state regulators to to do that and when they're you know ready to issue licenses we want to operate in as many states as we're uh, permitted to do so amazing amazing 
Um, and I know we're, we're coming up on time, um, Chris, but I want to ask you this one last question. Like, sure. what's, what's the best professional advice you've ever received throughout your career? Don't skip steps. Don't so skip steps. don't skip steps. So I, uh, I had a, an old uh, colleague uh, who said to me, Chris, you can't skip steps. You know, there's going to be bumps in the road. There'll be twists and turns in your career. There'll be unexpected success and there'll be some very disappointing failures. Uh, and all the while your the, the, uh, desire will be to like, Oh, get there faster. Or how do I succeed faster? Then yeah. what happens is if you skip steps, you eventually reach a plateau where you're expected to know things and expected to have an experience level and expected to have a decision-making capacity or strategic thinking ability capability that you don't have because you skipped three steps on the <laughs> way there. And now it's very hard to go back, regain that kind of experience and apply it in a job that you're in. Um, so yeah, yeah. Uh, the audience who might be listening, I, you know, I tried very hard to be humble about the roles that I took. Um, I never really turned down a role. I can't remember ever turn, turning down a job, but I was very thoughtful about, am I ready for this job? I think the case in point would be mm -hmm. um, when uh, Mark Rether asked me to be the CMO of Seismic, which was a very short run because the company eventually was broken up and sold. Um, I, I knew having been in an agency environment for 15 years and them being a leading ad tech provider that was selling almost semi exclusively to agencies and their customers and our clients yeah. that I knew yeah. enough about both ends of those two businesses where I could be an effective CMO because I put the time in for a decade plus at Havas, at MDC, at IPG, and I'd learned from a lot of smart people. So, um, so my advice to the audience would be don't skip steps, be humble, uh, you know, don't be in a rush, you know, enjoy the journey. Uh, and, um, but when you get that opportunity, take it and, and, and run with it. Absolutely. Put it, put it in the work. Trust your gut too, man. Trust your gut. Yeah. That's a fellow Bronx boy. I'll tell you, that's a big, my gut is a big driver of how I make decisions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but thank you, man. I just want to say, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time out your day for joining Rankable. Um, I enjoyed this conversation. I learned a lot from it. I look forward to to seeing you guys in New York when that time. Yeah, happens. we're coming. We're coming. Hopefully, I, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. I should rephrase that. We're hoping to come. Hoping to come. Yep. And when you do, I'll be right there. Nice. <laughs> right. So, All right. You have a great day. Thank you for having me. Thank you to your audience. Thank you again, Chris. Talk soon. And uh, yeah. to everybody listening, we'll see you guys next week. We have Tammy Woods for SEO. We're going to talk about how to prepare for the core web vitals updates coming in Google. So be prepared. We're going to have some actionable items for you guys. And we'll see you next week. All right. Take care. Thank you. <laughs>